0: The Silver Bullet Podcast, with your host, CUPW, shop steward, and letter carrier, Pirate Jim.
1: My daddy was a miner, and I'm a miner's son. And I'll stick with the union till every battle's won. Which side are you on? Which side are you on?
0: aloha Kako. aloha everyone hello i'm pirate jim and welcome to episode five of the silver bullet podcast
2: i was tired of my lady we'd been together too long like a worn out recording of a favorite song so I should lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed and in the personal columns there was this letter I read if you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain if you're To me an escape I didn't think about my lady I know that sounds kind of mean But me and my old lady have fallen into the same old dull routine So I wrote to the paper Took out a personal ad And though I'm nobody's poet I thought I wasn't half bad Yes, I like pina coladas And getting caught in the rain I'm not much into health food I am into champagne by tomorrow noon and cut through all this red tape at a park called O'Malley's where we'll plan our escape So I waited with high hopes. And she walked in the place I knew her smile in an instant I knew the curve of her face It was my own lovely lady And she said, oh, it's you And then we laughed for a moment And I said, I never knew That you like piña coladas And Get getting caught in the rain. And the feel of the ocean, and the taste of champagne. If you like making love at midnight, in the tunes of the Cape, you're the lady I've looked for. Come with me and escape.
0: so yeah <laughs> luckily i've never been able to afford to place a personal ad <laughs> well actually probably it might be kind of fun because uh, i definitely know my wife would answer it too I think I got myself out of that one. Anyway, um, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Silver Bullet Podcast. I'm Pirate Jim. And yes, yes, I did not do a a mini episode last week. Sorry about that. Uh, I basically was going to do that. I started doing uh, some work on the music uh, for this show, the regular show and I kind of went down a Woody Guthrie uh, rabbit hole. It was quite fun that, it was very inspiring, I'll put it that way, and uh, you'll get to taste a little bit of it uh, on the show today. So yeah, I am going to be focusing on the music of Woody Guthrie, and um, I never really realized coming from a folk musician background, touring and such, and, and representing folk artists, a lot of people did Woody Guthrie tunes, and I got to know them as as pieces of, of music and works. And I never really kind of thought past the lyrics. I mean, surface level, until now I've become involved with the union. And all of a sudden, the history and the story and the music of Woody Guthrie make a lot of sense. And there's a few artists, uh, that, artists that I've worked with, um, namely Joel Raphael from, oh my goodness... I met him in California, so I always consider him from California, but I don't think that's where he's from. But anyway, Joel, he did a whole CD when I met him when I was uh, trying to get him into folk festivals in Canada. He did a whole CD dedicated to woody Guthrie and and songs of uh, from Woody Guthrie, and there's some videos out there and and such. and unfortunately, um, I can't uh, focus or uh, play any of Joel's um, stuff this show, but I definitely will in the future because Woody Guthrie deserves more than uh, a segment on my show. Because <laughs> you know, I'm so important. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so yeah, we're going to be listening to some Woody Guthrie stuff. Also, so the art, there's a mixture in here. So we're going to do a bit of the history of Woody Guthrie uh, and, and, a, and uh, Union Made to make it fit in with everything here. And I've been meaning to play Union Made <laughs> since since the first episode. And then I said, oh, I'll do it on the second episode. And then I said, oh, I'll do it on the third episode and, and so on and so on. So now we're on the fifth and I do play Woody Guthrie's version, him, him performing it. And then we move along to a band that has been inspired by uh, the songs of Woody Guthrie and actually have released some, uh, they're, um, released some songs, some of his songs. They took his lyrics and they made, and they did, (laughs) I think you got what I'm trying to say. The dropkick Murphys. Uh, they've done a few tunes in previous albums of, of Woody Guthrie's lyrics that they've put to their tunes. There we go. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, one of them you might, uh, recognize from the movie called The Departed with, um, I think that was Leonardo DiCaprio and um, Jack Nicholson. I think that was. I think that was that the one. Anyway, the Irish, the Irish uh, guys, and they're using their back in the early days of texting. <laughs> anyway, uh, shipping up to Boston, I believe, is the tune, and that was in that movie. It was a big tune in that movie, and it and it also propelled the Dropkick Murphys quite far up, and their association with the Woody Guthrie. Family, um, namely uh, the daughter who runs the Woody Guthrie uh, organization. So, Dropkick Murphys, they've released a whole CD now of songs, lyrics written by Woody Guthrie, and music and arrangements by the Dropkick Murphys called, uh, oh my goodness, I should have had it in front of me. This Machine Still Kills Fascists and if you are familiar with woody guthrie the famous picture of him holding his guitar that's on the guitar it's got this machine kills fascists and i love that that just oh, gets me going uh so yeah we're going to be listening to three songs from that album and i've picked pickened <laughs> i've chosen or picked <laughs> those songs because they relate uh, to as far as I, I my interpretation of the lyrics, it, they relate a lot to the union, uh, life, uh, the union side of things, which Woody Guthrie, Woody Guthrie was definitely uh, uh, a supporter of the union. That is for sure. His idea of a union meeting uh, ended in in uh, in black eyes <laughs> and possibly arrests uh man yeah union busting i tell you i think we got it easy right now uh, let's cross our fingers i don't want uh the supervisors coming in with bats to our our union hall that's for sure uh anyway what was i saying three songs right and one of the songs uh what was the point oh geez i've lost the train of thought on that one but anyway uh enjoy those songs uh especially when you're delivering. If you're delivering mail right now, I want you to listen to those songs and, uh, I don't know, ride the rails, as they said in acting school. Be in the moment for those and, and tell me what you feel because the emotions that it drums up in me are, are quite exciting. And uh, uh, the 10 times more song is something that I can see using as a march on, on the boss. And of course, we, we can change... Uh, adjust the lyrics to fit that um, particular situation at the time that we're marching. Ten times more. Not once, not twice, but ten times more. Anyway, you'll get it when you get to that part of the show. All right, man, uh, my explanation of what I'm going to talk about is going to be longer than the actual uh, music. Uh, And then I'm going to spend a whole bunch of time today on terms temporary urban uh, letter carriers. I will be talking about the ochres uh, in the future, p- more than likely next uh, next episode. And the reason I'm going to focus on terms right now is that there's been some things happening in my depot, at Northwest Depot, with uh, some of the the new terms that I've been getting to know. And I... Uh, some Well, the one particular a situation that, uh, that I, I've been involved in. It, 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 oh my God. As you can tell, it, it's quite emotionally charged. That's for sure. Anyway, the things that are happening with some of the terms right now, uh, and what they're expected to do, what they're not being trained, it seems to do and kind of just being left to the wolves. And then, we come back as root holders and get all pissed off because it's not delivered. And it's because we're setting these people up to fail right now. And it sucks because it sucks that when I'm on a sick day and I come back and I have mail, I have a problem, but I don't see what happened, why that mail's there, and what the problem was to that particular term that created the problem we see in front of us right so just think back to that first few days of you doing this job and you're looking at this perhaps this mail that is being tied out differently than the sequence mail they have and they're trying to figure out where the hell they are and then they deliver some and then all of a sudden oh my god am i on the right street am i is this right or whatever you know remember those feelings so and it sucks because the boss is putting us in this situation. There's been some good things that I'll talk about in the updates when it comes to this uh, the the yesterday's mail stuff, which, of course, there you go. We're talking about updates, extras and oopsies as well later on in the show. So anyway, yeah, we're going to talk about the terms because, man, my heart is being ripped out with some uh, stories I've been hearing in the last two weeks, just the last two weeks. What else? Of course, we'll be continuing our Article 9 exploration uh, in the urban uh, urban contract, I believe we went through all of uh, Article Nine for the RSMCs last show, um, and if not, sorry, I'll do it next show <laughs> if I if I didn't finish it because because this is gonna be pretty much all about terms, I think, and of course, well, we've got a lot of stuff with the extras and the updates, the oopsies, and our calendar is jam packed, jam packed, I tell you. It's pretty exciting. Um, I think I'm also going to try and do a few little shout outs to new people um, that have expressed interest in the show. Um, Shoot, Uh, I had something set up and of course now the page is gone. So I was gonna do a shout out to a a letter carrier that um, I met through the Facebook page this week and wanted to say hey thanks but (laughs) i can't find it right now so if you know who i'm speaking to right now thanks for listening and i'm glad you like the show and i will be putting out more don't you worry (laughs) speaking of that um if you call in and leave a voicemail i will put it on the show if you have a question leave it as a voicemail and i will get it on the show and uh of co- and, and give you the answer. Of course, it won't be immediate. It's not a live thing. And of course, I'll listen to the voicemail first and then go research the answer. <laughs> so I won't be like pulling it out of my ass, right? I won't be doing that. Uh, so, so do that. And if I can get enough calls, I will do a whole show. A whole, a whole show. I will do a whole show. Uh, what I will call a um, Silver Bullet podcast town hall where then i'll put out all of those voicemails and we'll answer the questions live and it also you'll be able to also make statements or or a grievance so to speak like man today this is what happened to me can you believe it dot 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 Uh, i want it to be almost like circle therapy too in some ways Uh, i I want us to be able to ask questions get out issues uh, just get blow off some steam Try not to use people's names. Try not to just point the finger because I'm, I'm terrible for that. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So, call in and leave voicemails. Uh, the number will be later in the show. Um, yeah. And, of course, with the terms, I'm jumping back and forth because that's just how I am today. With the terms, I will be going through the Temporary Workers Guide and the Article 44... And that sort of thing, exploring the terms and how they're, uh, uh, accounted for in our agreement. Oh my goodness. I think that's all for what we're going to be doing. Uh, 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 yeah, there's this, uh, notice of occurrence form that I, I want to fill out too right now, based on what I was talking about with this term situation. Um, but I don't know if I'll have time. So if if I don't have time, sorry, we will get to it eventually. (laughs) Okay? All right. So I think it's time to move on. 12 minutes of explaining what the show is going to be about. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed it and you're still there. (laughs) Here we go. We're moving on. We're going to go into our, our music now. This is The Life and Times
3: of Woody Guthrie. Woody Guthrie was a giant of Western American folk music, looming large in the American imagination. But the man who helped pioneer resistance music was also unfairly blacklisted and had anything but an easy life. Here's the tragic story of Woody Guthrie. Named after the soon-to-be president of the United States, Woodrow Wilson Guthrie was born July 14, 1912, in the small town of Okemah, Oklahoma. His father, Charles Guthrie, was a successful businessman, local politician, and KKK member — basically, everything Woody would grow up to fight against. Although slavery was formally outlawed, Jim Crow laws, white supremacy, and an epidemic of racist violence were spreading across the country. This was during a time when the KKK had nearly total control over the state of Oklahoma. The year before Woody's birth, Charlie attended and possibly participated in the horrific lynching of Laura Nelson and her son L.D. Nelson. Ten years later, the Tulsa Race Massacre was carried out by mobs of white men, roughly 60 miles from Guthrie's birthplace. Though he came from money, family misfortunes would leave young Woody Guthrie struggling along with other poor, displaced, and Black Americans. As a result, he quickly latched onto the egalitarian ideas of socialism. That his father embodied many of the things he'd come to stand against affected Woody, his work, and ideology profoundly. While Woody's early years were spent in relative comfort with his successful businessman father, things changed quickly for the Guthries. After World War I, bad real estate deals led to Charlie losing his land. With his mother Nora institutionalized for displaying erratic and occasionally violent behavior, Charlie left for Pampa, Texas, with his two younger children, Mary Jo and George, leaving Woody and his older brother Roy to fend for themselves in Okima. The need to survive made 14-year-old Woody Guthrie extremely resourceful. In addition to playing music on the street for change, he picked through the trash to find scrap to sell and stayed with friends or traveled for whatever other work he could find. During his junior year of high school, although he was popular for his humor and music, Woody dropped out to join his father in Pampa. While living in Pampa, Woody learned to play the fiddle, banjo, guitar, and violin, so he could play at dances for money. But he also worked for a bootlegger, painted signs, and did whatever else he needed to. Despite earning very little money for all his work, Woody Guthrie was known for giving it away to anyone he thought needed it more than him. This was noble, but it would also cause problems when it came to keeping his young family fed in the coming years. Woody Guthrie met his first wife Mary Jennings in Pampa, and they married in 1933, when he was just 19. By then, the great drought that caused the Dust Bowl was already devastating the plains. By 1934, the once fertile region had been turned into a desert wasteland, deepening the impact of the Great Depression. With a new family to provide for, Woody migrated to California during the Dust Bowl. At the time, novelty cowboy singers were wildly popular. In 1937, Woody found work performing a comedic musical hillbilly act for radio on KFVD in Hollywood. Along with his broadcast partner, Maxine Lefty Lou Chrisman, he was able to ride the wave of cowboy nostalgia and make a name for himself in Los Angeles. The duo received thousands of fan letters and a little money, but as Guthrie's audience grew, so did general awareness of his socialist views. The songs Guthrie was singing on the radio expressed a notably left-wing political ideology. Amid fears that the radio station would appear sympathetic to the Soviet Union, Guthrie was fired. The more politically vocal he became, the more his following shrank. However, Woody Guthrie continued to develop and share his voice and ideas. In New York, Woody Guthrie was supported by a like-minded community of radicals and musicians like Pete Seeger, Lead Belly, Burl Ives, and many others. His popularity climbed again, and in 1941, he formed an anti-war folk group called the Almanac Singers. By this time, Mary and the children were living back in California and the Guthries were all but divorced. Woody, however, stayed furiously busy. At first, the Almanac singers wrote songs critical of the war, but when Hitler invaded the Soviet Union in June 1941, their music became explicitly anti-fascist. This was the era where the famous phrase, quote, "...this machine kills fascists," began appearing on Woody's guitar. Before the divorce with Mary was finalized, Woody Guthrie was already starting a family with Marjorie Mazia. He joined up with the military-adjacent civilian naval group The Merchant Marine after being persuaded by a friend, did his time, and returned home, but soon received another draft notice. His pleas for deferment were denied, and he was sent out again. But Guthrie's communist leanings became less and less tolerable to the United States government, so in retaliation for some of his writing in communist newspapers, the FBI suspended Guthrie Seaman's papers. He was then drafted into the Army, just as World War II was coming to an end. But as it turned out, this would not be the end of his harassment by the government. Whatever the public thought about his politics, many in the government considered the prolific writer of folk songs, children's music, and ballads for the working class to be a potential threat to the United States. As early as 1941, the FBI was keeping files on Woody Guthrie. The files were filled with things like traffic citations, missed car payments, and even work he had done for the Department of the Interior as so-called evidence of Woody's activity with the Communist Party. This surveillance continued even as his health was declining due to Huntington's disease. In 1953, the FBI interviewed his physicians, demanding doctors break patient confidentiality so the government could monitor his health status and classify him as a security risk. Guthrie was publicly declared a communist by the House Un-American Activities Committee, or HUAC, in 1948, then publicly smeared and blacklisted. The tragic irony is that, while he certainly shared the same views, Woody Guthrie was never actually a registered member of the Communist Party. And while the label hasn't stopped Guthrie from staying on in the popular imagination, it's hard not to wonder what his legacy could have been if he hadn't been hounded by a paranoid government for so long. As the Red Scare reached a boiling point, Hollywood stopped making movies that could potentially be seen as controversial or socially aware during McCarthyism. Woody Guthrie lost film projects he had lined up, and his loosely autobiographical book Bound for Glory was shelved. The same sad phenomenon occurred within the music industry as RCA Victor discontinued his Dust Bowl ballads in a major blow. Soon, the singer who wrote song after song praising the power of unions couldn't even find work. In the wake of the anti-communist frenzy, union members were forced to sign anti-communist oaths as a condition of membership, so they were scared of retribution. In some ways, this experience made Woody Guthrie into a martyr. While newspaper headlines continue to echo the paranoid and dangerous accusations by HUAC, Guthrie wrote, These un-American committee boys are causing more folks to love us communists than to hate us. However false this bravado might have been, there is no denying that the Guthries were struggling financially after Woody was given the McCarthy treatment. Which worsened tensions with his wife Marjorie. Guthrie's friend, actor, and fellow blacklisted leftist Will Gere bought property in Topanga Canyon, where he lived off the land with his family and built a theater that became a refuge for other starving artists. Woody moved into a shack on the property following a split with Marjorie. After the HUAC hearings, Woody Guthrie struggled to find work, left Marjorie working almost nonstop to support the family. By the late 1940s, Guthrie was already suffering the effects of the same disease that had violently taken his mother. As Guthrie began to show the erratic, unpredictable, and occasionally violent behavior caused by Huntingtons, Marjorie became afraid for their children. After repeated violent outbursts and brief hospital stays, doctors suggested to Marjorie that Woody go to California for the safety of the children, and with few options available to him, he did. Shortly after he went to Topanga Canyon, the Guthrie's divorced. While living on the Gear property in Topanga Canyon, Woody's health continued to worsen. But as prolific and expressive as he was, he kept playing music and performing whenever he could. It was in this cloistered artistic community that he met Annika Van Kirk, a married hippie who lived nearby. Though she was half his age, the two began an affair and eventually married in 1953. Woody's ongoing struggles meant he couldn't provide financial security, and the couple had to rely on friends in the area for many of their needs. This only exacerbated tensions in the community that had started with Annika and Woody's affair. Many of their friends didn't approve of the situation, resenting the fact that Woody had run off with the wife of someone who was generally well-regarded in the community. On top of that, Annika was exhausting herself trying to take care of Woody as his health continued its steep decline. They moved around from state to state for a bit, but divorced in 1956. Woody Guthrie died at the age of 55 on October 3,
4: 1967. This project, you know, has been a long time in the making. I think Nora Guthrie first contacted us 20 years ago almost, and she thought her her father would have got a kick out of us, would have liked us, that we were somewhat kindred spirits, so to speak, um, which to us was a huge honor.
5: Nora gave us the privilege of going through the archives and selecting some lyrics to use. And I think the original idea was to try to find some things that specifically suited us in Out of that original process, Blackout and Shipping Up to Boston came to be. With those songs, there was a bunch of other ones. There's always been the idea of, oh, maybe we can do some more of those Guthrie songs. Maybe we can do some more of those Guthrie songs. So when the idea came up recently about taking a look at it as a fully formed project based around those lyrics, it was an exciting idea
4: this is trying to do something totally different with the lyrics. Not necessarily how Woody would have done them, but just trying to do them from like a stripped down, more raw, more to that period.
6: How can you call a man a man when you treat him like a dog?
4: The lyrics are so inspiring and to take these lyrics and try to make them into songs that we think Woody would be happy with but that are also Dropkick Murphys has been a lot of fun and good for us as a band. I mean, Woody guthries you know, he's the original punk, you know, he was, he went against the grain, he fought the good fight, he spoke up, he sung about his beliefs. his priorities were not you know commercial success it was his priorities were his message and what he believed in
6: she's upside down she broke apart getting worse every day a working man's hand is the hardest card in the whole damn to play.
5: there's the body of work that exists that everybody knows that shapes the public persona of somebody but we're talking about like scraps of paper with just little ideas on them and stuff and it gives you a completely different idea of a more complete person
6: can you worship the rich man that sees poor folks and refuses them
5: in the common thread that i see through everything was this love for people and this understanding of the universal truth that there is no one person fundamentally better than another person
6: Two sixes upside down, two sixes upside down, be no judging call my number lone, two sixes upside down.
3: I think that a big part of it is stepping outside a comfort
5: zone, not writing what would be typical dropkick Murphy's music, coming up with a way of writing the music to the lyrics that would uh do the guy proud. I'm
6: a hard rock it's a long time gone by. It's a long time
5: so in the beginning of this it felt nice that, to know that the lyrics were already written and I think we figured that it might be it might be easier to tackle, but it's been pretty difficult <laughs> in a good way, not in a, not in a bad way.
0: After twenty-six or whatever years it's been, it's really nice to be able to just fuck around and change it up, you know.
6: Well of course they work, we gotta work! Not much, not much for ten times more.
4: We wanted to get into that. Kind of small-town America, Tulsa, like in the Woody's roots and not, you know, be doing it in New York City or Boston. I mean, as far as the recording of the album goes, we didn't use any amps. It's all acoustic. Everything was up to a microphone and let it go. Just after 26 years as a band, just try to do something different. I'm motivated by reading what he had to write and inspired by him. You know, one man and a guitar is powerful stuff, you know? Not boys.
2: not once, not twice.
6: and workers a tale
1: Deputy sheriffs who made the raid, she went to the Union Hall when a meeting it was called. And when the Legion boys come round, she always stood her ground. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking to the Union. I'm sticking to the Union. I'm sticking to the Union. of company spies she couldn't be fooled by a company stool she'd always organize the guys she'd always get her way when she struck for better pay she'd show her car to the national guard and this is what she'd say oh you can't scare me i'm sticking to the union i'm sticking to the union i'm sticking to the union oh you can't scare me i'm sticking to the union I'm sticking to the union till the day I die You gals who want to be free Just take a tip from me Get you a man who's a union man And join the ladies' auxiliary Married life ain't hard When you got a union card A union man has a happy life When he's got a union wife
3: Oh, you can't
1: scare me I'm sticking to the union I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union till the
6: day I die. Well, the-
7: with Dropkick Murphys. Everything they've ever touched or recorded of Woody's lyrics has turned out to be very prescient in some mystical kind of way. I can't explain why this happens. The first lyric that we did with them was, gonna be a blackout. Blackout blackout. Blackout They recorded that lyric two weeks after the release of that record. It was the biggest Northeast Blackout in American history. The second song I did with them was Shipping Up to Boston. Some of Woody's lyrics are profound and wonderful and glorious, and some of them are ridiculous and stupid, and I can't believe that he wrote them. And one of those really ridiculous lyrics was Shipping Up to Boston. They took it, and they made the hit song out of it. Right after they released that, the Boston Red Sox won the friggin' World Series. You have the whole Boston Red Sox dancing on the field when they won the series to shipping up to Boston. That was crazy. Then Martin Scorsese heard it, he liked it, he made it the theme song for his movie, The Departed. So we've had had this strange relationship of prescient, almost soothsaying kind of things happening. And when we put out this album, the new album, there was a couple of titles in there and a couple of ideas uh, that I thought, "Uh uh-oh, what's gonna happen next? And I never... There was one called Waters Are Rising. Within a week after that was the hurricane with the flooding in Florida. And there's a couple of titles in the album, a couple of lyrics, That when Ken came to me and said, we want to do a whole album of Woody's lyrics, I shut up. I just go, yeah, whatever you want, Ken, because anything he touches seems to have some kind of importance and significance in history, actually, not just in music, but in world history. So I'm kind of anxious to see what's going to happen now. (laughs)
0: like to ask pirate jim a question live on the show leave a voicemail call the silver bullet podcast hotline at 1-587-848-0381 if you have questions you'd like to email or comments or even uh, show segment suggestions email pirate underscore jim at pseudomail.com and check out our Facebook page, The Silver Bullet Podcast. Art Extra, extra, read all about, it.
3: Extra, extra, read all about it. extra, extra, read all about it.
1: Extra, extra, read all about it.
0: We need to be prepared. Something's coming, folks. Something's coming big. I can feel it. And uh, this, this came from Annabelle, um, the president of the Calgary Local. Negotiations. Start thinking of anything you might want to change in the collective agreement. Oh, wait, that's different. Oh, no, the same thing. Start thinking of anything you want changed in the collective agreement and write it down. we will be having meetings in the spring to create resolutions to change the collective agreement and need to have your input. RSMC collective agreements expires on December 31st, 2023, while the urban collective agreement expires January 31st, 2024. Watch the bulletin boards, our Facebook page, and our website for meetings and times, which we have, and I'll be putting that in there. There is a resolution coming up, meeting coming up here uh, soon. Um, Now, this is what I'm part. I'm getting to. Have you been saving money from your paycheck in the event we might have to go on strike? And when I first read that, I got pissed. Why? Why did I get pissed? I don't know. I think I got mad thinking that I'm not gonna get paid when I go on strike. And it seems, I just, it pisses me off because why do we have to do it at all? It's so stupid. We cr- The boss creates the problems. Uh, uh, save money from your paycheck. If we don't have to go on strike, all right, and you save this money or we aren't locked out, um, Use that money for something else. Use it as, like, you saved up a bunch of money, go out for, I don't know, it depends how much you save, right? Treat yourself to something by a gift, I don't know. I'd buy a fish. I'd buy a new saltwater fish. <laughs> but if we have to strike, when a legal strike or lockout is in progress, the Canadian Labour Code allows employees to picket. The purpose of picketing is to exert pressure on the employer by persuading other people not to do work for or to do business with the employer. The idea of a strike is simple. If the conditions and terms of work are no longer acceptable to the workers, and if the union has been unable to make improvements through negotiation, the workers withdraw their labor. And the last time this happened in 2018, there was about 10 of us on the picket line. And brothers and sisters, that is terrible, terrible. And to be honest, I only I only was there for a couple hours, so I'm just as much to blame. But I was there, so back to this whole saving money. So someone posted on the uh, on the Facebook I don't know which which uh, CUPW Facebook page it was, but there's a really cool little plan here on how to save money, and the idea is by the end of twenty six weeks which I guess I should have started. I kind of did start, (laughs) sort of. Um, You'll save $2,000. So that's basically uh, a paycheck, right? So if we go on strike, I guess we're looking at, uh, oh, you're looking at covering a two-week picket line delay, right? So hopefully not more. Maybe less, which will be good too. You can use that extra money. So the idea is that for 26 weeks, you put away a certain amount of money. And this list, which I'm going to put on the on the show notes, has different amounts on different weeks. Like for instance, week one, you deposit $45 into a savings account of some sort. And then the next week, you deposit $65. And then the next week, $40. Then the next week, $60. And then 105, and then 95, 75, 155. It's kind of, uh, I don't really know the exact reasons for the different amounts, other than I think it was just to make it not be so tough on you budget wise, right? Because if you put away $45 quick, don't think about it. Uh, You know, that's two lunches nowadays. So I don't know. So by the end of 26 weeks, you should come up with $2,025. And down here it says March 2023, August 2023, February 2024 have three paychecks in that month. So I think this was done a long time ago. I don't know. Anyway, I started uh, with week one. I don't remember now if that was two weeks ago, though. (laughs) So I could have missed number two. I should have $110 then if I've done this for two weeks which I don't, which means that I only did week one. So I only put, four, so I got $45 so far, <laughs> right on. So everyone put $45 away this week. And if I don't do a mini show next week, which I'm probably not going to, because I've decided that I really should just do one show every two weeks and not try to kill myself for, for no other reason than uh, I think the imaginary people in my head are waiting for me to, lis- to listen to my pearls of wisdom. <laughs> So the real people in the world just have to take my pearls of wisdom every two weeks. Um, so yeah, I don't remember what I was talking about. So I put45 dollars and I should be putting $65 dollars away this week. right now is what I should do. That means I'll have 110. Oh, that's what I was gonna do. So this week put45 dollars away folks and then next week put $65 dollars away and then my next show I'll tell you how much. It's gonna be less than fifty, <laughs> okay? So, if this, if this, if you want to catch up with me, uh, and this is like your day one and week one and two, then put away one hundred and ten dollars right now. If not, put forty five dollars away, and the next week sixty five. And I'm just repeating myself. Okay, so I think that's it.
2: It's weekend update
0: with Pirate Jim at and- Pirate Jim. Updates, all right, here we go. Um, first update goes back to our first show actually, sick days, the sick days, the six sick days. Well, I am hearing that uh, there's been some issues when um, people have been going to um, bank their personal time like not a whole day, but in an increment or whatever They are being told they cannot bank it. They have to use a, the the new six one of the new six sick days first So they're saying you have to use the a sick day before you can bank anything, which is Not right. It's incorrect incorrect. They can't do that so You tell them, no, you can't do that. If they say, yes, I can, you say, no, I can't. And they say, yes, I can. And then you say, I'm getting a shop steward. And they say, go right ahead. And then you say, all right, here I go. And then you go and get the shop steward. And the shop steward comes over and says, it's not right. You must let him bank his time. And then they will say, no, I don't. And 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 then the shop steward will say, yes, I can. No, I can't. No, you can't. Oh, anyway, sorry. My little play has gone awry. (laughs) I kind of lost track of who was (laughs) on what side. So anyway, don't let them do it. It's not right. It's a sick day. It's new. And uh, you use it for a whole day. And it's when you call in when you're sick. If you're using a personal time, I mean, if you want to bank that time and not use it, that's, you're right. They can't tell you either there's they've 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 said that oh yeah well we're using those before we use your personal days okay that's good but you're not going to use a full sick day give it up for you going and say banking two hours right that's that's not fair so don't let them do it don't let them do it and then of course if they continue and they push it through and it happens then you have to um grieve it right and like i said we have to start grieving things more Instead of bitching about shit and not doing nothing about it, we have to start grieving it. Take the time to fill out the paperwork. If it's scary, then um, that'll be another show. We'll fill out a grievance on a show, right? We'll get some practice. I'll help. You can just fill in the details as we go. So that's the sick, the updates on the sick, six sick days. Um, kind of going in order. Uh, ah, what the heck? So my next update is on the seniors check-ins. And this was sent out February 21st uh, from uh, CUPW National. It was a national bulletin. It says, special delivery announcing a new report on seniors check-in services. More evidence has been found that supports the need for Canada Post to offer a senior check-in service. <clears throat> Cup W. Oh, shoot, sorry. CUPW has been calling for such a program since 2016. Recently, well, okay, 2016, but I thought it was already happening in some places already for years. Anyway, before that, even anyway, recently the National Institute on Aging released a report that backs up uh that backs that up. The report, special delivery on how Canada Canadian postal workers could better enable aging in the right place, recommended Canada Post consider offering a check-in service to help seniors live, their o- live in their own homes longer. The National Institute on Aging is one of the most important voices in policy debates about aging. So the report attracts lots of positive media coverage in print, radio, and on TV. Okay. Since 2016, we have been advocating for a seniors check in service through our Delivering Community Power plant campaign. We've also brought the idea to the corporation through Appendix T, where we have jointly researched other postal operators, oh, postal operator services for seniors. The report and the conversations it has sparked are a good reminder of the relevance and importance of our campaign for service expansion. Medical professionals and experts on aging see lots of value in our proposal and recognize the unique ability of our members to deliver a much-needed public service. And I believe I'm holding here beside me to the actual report they'd speak of. Um, Yeah. And uh, I really actually have no idea where you could actually download that to check it out yourself. But... uh, it's called Special Delivery, How can- Canadian Postal Workers Could Better Enable Aging in the Right Place. If I can find a link to download it, I will put it in the show notes that is on the Silver Bullet Podcast Facebook page, um, which just search the Silver Bullet Podcast on in the little bar there on Facebook and, and the page come up. Now, what would a senior check-in service look like? Now, this is from CUPW Bulletin from February 21st, 23. In its simplest form, a check-in service would be a quick conversation at the customer's door. Offering a check-in wouldn't require medical background. It would be more like the kind of informal interactions our members have with customers every day. Postal workers could ask customers how they are doing or if they wanted to send any messages along to their family or care providers. The servers could take advantage of existing software to ensure customer privacy and the fast transfer of information. The check-in could be done in about the same time it takes to get a customer to sign for a registered letter or parcel, which sometimes is n- too much time already, <laughs> um, delivering to every address across Canada and Quebec. What? Delivering to every address, oh, delivering to every address across Canada and Quebec, and enjoying high levels of public trust, no one is better positioned than postal workers to do this work. Uh, even a short conversation once a week could go a long way to bring peace of mind to customers and their families. Also, it's good for customer service, and it makes you feel. With a little bit of training, postal workers could help identify problems before they get too big. Research has shown that loneliness and social isolation are behind a huge number of health problems, especially among older adults. Spread the message. This new report has given Delivering Community Power lots of momentum. And I've been talking about it. So go to uh, click on the uh, building Delivering Community Power for all of the plans there on the CUPW w. C-U-P-W website. Sorry. oh, uh, It's hard to untrain. Hard to untrain. Um, uh, we encourage members to read the report and share it widely, especially with their elected officials. To learn more about how you can get involved in supporting our campaign, visit Delivering Community Power. I bet you the report is there and I've just missed it. The one I have here printed off is black and white. Uh, the cool thing that I thought in here is, well, they talk about all the other ones in the different countries a bit more, uh, which is where the CBC guy probably got it. But there's an example of a checklist, I thought. or Maybe it was. Oh, I really need to get a new mic stand because doing this by hand sucks. Uh, I don't know. I could have sworn there was an example of a checklist, but I don't see it. So there you go. There's an update, uh, on that update with, uh, automation, which, uh, on the last mini episode, I was talking about the robots are coming and in that, uh, I, 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 I missed on one thing that I thought was cool. Well, not cool. Um, Electric vehicles. I didn't talk about electric vehicles, I don't think. So, um, it says no Article 29 given to the union. What? Electric vehicles, no Article 29 given to the union. Do I have to look up Article 29? What the heck does that mean? (laughs) Uh, Let's see. No Article 29 means... Uh Oh, right there. Article 29, technological changes. In this article, technological changes means the introduction by the corporation in its operations of equipment different in nature, type, or quantity from that previously utilized by the corporation. A change related to the introduction of this equipment in the manner in which the corporation carries on its operations and any change in the work methods and postal services Operations Affecting One or More Employees. So basically, it's the article. There's no Article 29 for electric vehicles, is what that means. Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, Canada Post wants to put 100 electric vehicles in six depots. Group 3 and 4 will be trained to service them. Will be Ford e-transit and some step vans province with green energy grids uh provinces with green energy grids oh i don't know what that province with green energy grids six in quebec tested and some in nanaimo i don't know so that's the addition there to the automation uh with the electric vehicles uh i'm a big electric vehicle person i uh so uh whatever (laughs) I mean, yes, I don't like a lot of the robots that are coming, but the electric vehicles are not my worry. Um, Oh, here's some more about the senior check-ins. Letter carriers used to do senior check-ins. See, I I thought so. But Canada Post has gradually phased them out. Recently, there was a report put out, which we talked about, um, which recommends that Canada Post consider offering a check-in service to help seniors live on their own in their homes longer, which is what we discussed. Uh, this would benefit many ways. Seniors could stay in their homes longer, give a reprieve to the seniors' homes and the long-term care facilities. post would be shown to be more relevant in communities and letter carriers could once again establish a relationship with customers. Seniors would have a safer feeling by staying in their homes. Oh yeah. To go along with that, it's been great. This last... Well, last weekend, not only did I go down a rabbit hole with with Woody Guthrie, but uh, my wife and I are going through videotapes and such. Uh, And so we watched a bunch of stuff from when she was in high school and the plays she was in. And then some footage of us when we met at uh, the Winnipeg Fringe Festival. I was performing on the outdoor stage and she was doing some shows, some plays and performing on the outdoor stage doing improv comedy. And then we watched our wedding video and that was awesome. Um, Which made me kind of think about life again and made me think uh, about this job and, and about the union and really kind of made me put things into perspective and made me kind of realize that I can't get worked up about this shit so much. You know, like I had a great wedding and I was a working musician who had no money like zero money, I got $20 a week to spend on myself. And if I wanted to go to McDonald's or something, that was from that $20. I mean, our plan, like we lived in an RV between gigs, which at that time was pubs on weekends. So we made money on Friday and Saturday night only. The rest of the time we sat in the RV trying to save money. And we literally just ate spaghetti and bagels that was about it but when i watched the mu- the video of our wedding i don't see any of that i don't see any of the suffering any of the in the middle of, well i mean i got to camp we were we were continuously camping so that was pretty cool um but i didn't none of that mattered right it was the moments it was it was the moments in the wedding that were important and that man i was crying all weekend it was such a release which is another reason why i didn't release the podcast cuz i decided i decided to enjoy life first so sorry guys <laughs> which brings me around to this seniors check-in thing since that weekend last weekend i've had so many more beautiful conversations with the people i run into on my route I had one gentleman whose house burnt down about a year and a half ago and now has been rebuilt from the bottom up, he came running out to me uh, on Thursday and said, hey Jim, here, he goes, I wanna give you something. And he handed me a $50 bill and he said, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you. It was pretty cool, It's pretty cool. There was more to that conversation, but I'm not gonna be able to get through it if I do. (laughs) So, uh, it made that conversation better and it's made a lot of the other conversations I've had with other people on my route much more uh, connected, let's just say. So, the elder check-ins aren't necessarily all that bad. You are, I'm already doing it, so I have no problems that if one day Christine says Jim I think I need help okay I will call someone and luckily I know that the people around the corner uh mom (laughs) she would come a running and I wouldn't have to go far in fact I could probably yell out (laughs) Pritcher and the dog would go crazy and uh but that's the that's 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 the beauty of getting to know the people on your walk Woo, I didn't expect that emotional roller coaster there. Let's see what else is on my updates. Um Oh. The standoff in Edmonton that I spoke about in my last mini episode. Um this was from i'm going to read this letter from uh, the regional office Uh, on february 16th the members of shift 3 parcel section at the edmonton mail processing plant used their right to complain article 9.07 at a pre-scheduled meeting with management supported by their local president brother devin runville members stood and waited until their concerns were heard unfortunately Management refused to give them five minutes to read a prepared statement. In that statement, the members wanted to address safety and staffing issues, which is what's happening here with our final sort, which is causing a lot of our yesterday's mail problems uh, as well. Uh, But management refused to listen to them. Labor relations eventually attended and agreed to hear the workers and then followed up by threatening them all with major misconduct. The members, as promised, went back to work after making their statement. And then, of course, the cops were called as well. That's missing in this. Sadly, since this incident, over 40 members, and this is the update, this part, over 40 members and counting, so they haven't stopped yet, have been served with five day consecutive suspensions and final warnings. Wow. So brothers and sisters, this is a direct attack on every member of CUPW. Every member, every one of us. You know, when we march on the boss and we get a suspension or the the cops called on us because they're not following our collective agreement, uh, there's a problem and these problems are happening left, right and center. Which brings me again Uh, which brings me to another thing in a minute. But anyway, direct attack on every member. The right to complain and the right to representation by union officials are cornerstones of a just and fair workplace. Without the right to complain, we are silenced from reporting safety hazards, workers' concerns, as well as violations of the collective agreement. Let me try that again. Without the right to complain, we are silenced from reporting safety hazards, workers concerns as well as violations of the collective agreement in a show of solidarity to the members who are paying, for the exercise for this ex- oh my god for the members who are paying for exercising these rights those of who have been suspended we ask that on thursday march 9th this night this thursday coming up that as many members as possible wear black shirts while performing work in non-public serving areas in your runouts in your sorting cases. So everybody wear black. Black shirt day. Thursday, March 9th. We can take this opportunity to let the bosses know that we will not stand for this. Please take group pictures while wearing your black shirts. Hold a sign with your local number to share and build awareness. It's a simple and easy thing to do to show our solidarity. All pictures which have been published, which may be published in stories, can be shared with Brother Dave Lambert at D Lambert at Cup. C-U-P-W dash S-T-T-P dot org. All right. Let's do it. I totally forgot about that. Black shirt Thursday. Wear black shirts. Wear black shirts. And don't wear your vest, I think is the idea, right? I don't know. I don't know if we're going with the vests. I got to find that out. I would say no. If it was my decision, I'd go all the way and say no vests, black shirts only. Well, I'm getting really, I'm getting excited about that one. <laughs> Urban temporary employees. I think the biggest thing that kind of dawned on me, because, well, here's my story. Maybe this is a better way to start. When I started off, I was a term, of course. Um, but I believe it was my very first shift after training, after passing the, the, the test and uh, being able to sort fast enough. Uh, that's another thing. I'm very curious what training is happening right now for terms um i i i have yet to to investigate that but if it's what we did um which i don't think it is then we shouldn't be having some of the problems we're having right now anyway that's an aside that's a rabbit hole so anyway when i started the my first shift uh the staffing guy doug at the time up, handed me a bunch of paper, a bunch of things and said, fill those out. And right down there, your." it it was, I I think it was like a one page thing. I've heard that there's different things for different things to apply for, but I only filled out one piece of paper and I think it had my, um, rank of, of what I wanted to do, like, um, inside, outside. I don't, I don't really remember. All I know is that when I was going down, excuse me doug was um encouraging me to fill in uh, inside i'd go for inside work and outside work and i was like i don't want to do inside stuff i want to i want to be a mailman and he said just put it down anyway because once you get in you're in and i didn't know what that meant because i thought i'd been hired <laughs> like i don't know i went through mailman school i uh I passed and I was able to drive a truck without being able to see through the back windows. No problem. I was able to drive those uh, step vans or whatever we had to to do. And and I passed the sorting test and and the three days out on the road thing. So I thought I was there. I didn't know like I was hired. So why was I filling out paperwork again. (laughs) I don't know, but luckily I did because it got me into a permanent position um by september and this was may so may june july august september five months uh in five months i went full-time or no i went part-time i went permanent part-time and then i went permanent full-time is that what it seemed all i know is it wasn't a term very long and so I, I kind <clears> of, <throat> I got to bypass a lot of issues that I see happening now. Although I still don't understand why we're not given a dang uniform. Like seriously, I mean, yes, we, I went and I got the dregs of other, luckily like, there was people in my class that were switching from inside to outside. And so they had a bunch of leftover stuff they ordered. And so I got some, some swanky new stuff. But I I also went through the bins at the time at the Northwest Depot. They had just a ton of stuff up there. And now it's all at the union office. Right. If you're listening and you need some good clothing so you're not out there uh, looking like you've stolen the mail and you've decided to deliver it. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I always felt weird that these new people, these poor new people who are like... For one completely lost right now because you're in a new neighborhood or whatever and you're trying to figure out which way is which way is which so yeah it's terrible it's terrible they uh you, you know you're out there and you're lost and everything and you look like you look like just somebody with with a with a, a vest on anyhow so the big difference here is that There are different types of terms is what I'm getting at. So I was what you call a a casual employee, I believe, or something, or a term, a a regular term, but I wasn't a Christmas hire term because there's a difference. Uh, Peak season employee is what it is. I wasn't a peak season employee. Uh, My first day was in May of 2014, May 12th. So yeah and those people that are hired between mid-november to mid-january they are what they are called the peak season employees and not everyone will become permanent and this is the deal you have to apply so when you go to the staffing desk desk next time tomorrow or the next day or whenever it is if you're a term and you haven't done this ask that you want to apply for permanent status from them. And 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 what should I do? Uh, can I get the paperwork and make sure that it, I know if you want to stay a letter carrier, you apply for letter carrier as well, but apply for the inside stuff as well, PO3s, um, you know, all of that. And then once you get in, you're in and then you can switch around after. It's kind of a bummer, but whatever. Um, so yeah that was the biggest thing I didn't know and I guess this kind of relates to it as well but the seniority is different for terms than for regular employees so you're on a list as a term with a seniority of other terms and the regular people are not on your list they're on a separate list uh, the regulars list and once you once you become uh, regular or permanent (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it sounds like Metamucil here. Um, once, you've bec- <laughs> once you've become regular, once you've become full time, uh, you go on to that other list. Um, but oh, but when you do switch, you do keep your seniority. So in other words, say you've been a term, um, not, a not a not permanent term. <laughs> an irregular term <laughs> oh my god um for a long time and you become permanent you flip over and you don't start over like your seniority is now not the date that you've switched over it it still is from when you started work right so say it's been i don't know six months and you're switching over you're not starting over you still have six months of seniority uh, and it's based on your date but you get in line with everybody else that was hired on that date and have switched over as well. All right, cool. Um, There's a whole bunch of stuff about what's pen... No, um, time spent as a term is not pensionable. And uh, there's a long explanation behind that that I really... I just... I don't want to get into. But if you listen, go listen to the Overburdened Podcast from our friends there in Saskatoon. And they will explain um, what is pensionable and how. <laughs> it involves a backfill, which we'll talk about later too. All right, so we're going to switch over here to the temporary worker's guide. And um, hopefully you received this. And if you didn't, find me if you're at the Northwest Depot. Uh, like I said before, it's available on the CupW website. You can download it. It's in the the... Uh, resources I think stuff uh, so in this guide we got a lot of stuff here um, it starts with what's a union who are who is the cupw uh, do you have to join the cupw how do I join uh, what does the un- joining the union mean or get me what are my rights as a union member which is kind of what my whole podcast is about uh, do I get to meet the union? 44.31. Yes, there's an article in the collective agreement that says that during the first week of a work within a new employee, a new temporary employee, the union shop steward gets to meet with the new and temporary worker for a period of 15 minutes. As surprising as it sounds, this, looks, this took a lot of effort for the union to achieve. And sometimes this meeting happens during training school, at the time of hiring, etc. Gotcha. So that kind of goes back exactly to um, some stuff that got me in trouble. And I can tell you right now that I did not sit down with anyone for 15 minutes from the union. And I'm not blaming that on anybody at the union. In fact, I blame it on the boss because the way I was, the way I looked at it was that they set the union up to fail. Because in that first thing, they said, oh, yeah, they're coming. They're coming. Oh, they're almost here. They're almost here. You know what I mean? And then they kind of said, oh, sorry. No, they're not coming. But our guy's here. So, yes, you do get, you do get to meet us. Um, and, of course, then we go on to what's a shop steward, which is really good because that's what I am. A shop steward is the union's representative on the work floor. A shop steward is a union member who has been trained to assist workers in getting their rights on the work floor. A shop steward can be part-time. You can be a part-time or a full-time or a temporary worker. So if you are a term, you can also be a shop steward. You can, oh, and that's another important thing. You can take all educationals you want. And remember, when you take the educationals, you get paid for that time. It's learning time. So um, there's a process, of course, but if you apply to get onto an educational and you get it, you will get that time paid to you just like you were out there on the road, all right? And it means a lot to get involved when you're new. And it helps the other new people too. Um, of course, the more you learn, the quicker you're not new <laughs> and you'll move right on. But like me, I've, I've come to realize that there's a lot of people out there that are, are just are, are walking blind right now, and they need someone to guide them. And especially all the changes at the Northwest Depot in Calgary, Uh, we've got like, we've got a new superintendent and we've got new supervisors everywhere. We've got, uh, oh boy, it's, it's, it's a gong show. Let's put it that way. It's a gong show. All right. So what has the Canadian union of postal workers done for temporary workers? Uh, Cup W.
6: Fuck.
0: CUPW has worked long and hard to ensure that temporary workers have the rights they enjoy now. Certainly, our work is not finished. But we are committed to improving the rights of temporary workers. In the early 1980s, Canada Post hired temporary workers and paid them federal minimum wage. This was significantly below the wage that union regular postal workers earned. The Canadian Union of Postal Workers and its then-sister union, the Letter Carrier Union of Canada, LCUC, Bargained with Canada Post over a number of years to ensure that temporary workers get the minimum wage rate of regular workers. The union has also worked hard to ensure that hiring of temporary workers to regular jobs is done by seniority and not by favoritism. In the 1980s and early 1990s, Canada Post hired internal temporary workers to regular jobs strictly on the basis of favoritism. This was unfair to everybody concerned, and the union negotiated a fairer price. The Canadian Union of Postal Workers also made successful efforts to ensure that temporary workers get temporary assignments on the basis of their seniority, not by the decision of certain supervisors. CUPW fought very strongly to ensure that internal temporary full-time workers get get fully paid for their lunch breaks. Again, Canapost did not want to pay temporary workers for their entire lunch break. The union fought this and won. The Canadian Union of Post workers also bargained to ensure that temporary workers cannot be fired by Canada Post just because Canada Post does not like what they are wearing or that they are too old, etc. Many more of the gains CUPW has made for temporary workers will be outlined in the sections of this booklet about our collective agreement. And that kind of takes us to the collective agreement. And uh, if you're a term right now and you have the agreement in your hands, turn to article 44 and if you don't have a copy of the uh agreement in your hand push pause and go get it (laughs) all right yeah so what is a collective agreement before we get into it a collective agreement is a document that is negotiated between the union and the employer it sets down wages working conditions benefits and rights A collective agreement determines how much you will get paid for working, the hours you have to work, your rights and obligations, protections around health and safety, and the rights and obligations of the employer. Make sense? Yeah, collective agreement is not a guideline. Oh, see, and this is another big thing. Uh, I think some supervisors and uh, some on the dark side. They use the agreement more as a guideline than as the law. And also, some supervisors and members of the dark side like to use the agreement as something that they say uh, constrains them or uh, confines them to somehow make it seem like, well, it would be better if this if this didn't happen but that's because of the collective agreement and we're kind of held you know to that so a lot of the things that could be better are because of the agreement it's it's holding us all back right it's it's like listening to donald trump but worse you know anyway i won't go there uh, so, yeah, it's not a guideline. Unfortunately, since a collective agreement is negotiated between a union and an employer, it does not contain everything the union wants. Oh, oh, pizza's here. <laughs> All right. Bargaining unit. What is a bargaining unit? A bargaining unit is a group of workers in a company, etc. That has been determined by a government labor relations board as appropriate for representation by a union. For the purpose of this booklet, we will be referring to bargaining unit as urban members of the CUPW directly employed by Canada Post. So the seniority of a temporary employee shall be determined by the length of employment since the first date of hire in the bargaining unit provided there has been no final termination of employment 44.02 accumulation of seniority the seniority of a temporary employee accumulates without interruption until such time as it is lost in accordance with the provisions of this article 44.03 different system The seniority system for temporary employees shall be separate from the system for regular employees, and such seniority can only be used for the purpose of this article. Oh, here we go. Call-in lists. The number of call-in lists that govern the allocation of work assignments among temporary employees shall not be changed without prior consultation with the union local or the local union. The provisions of this clause, the provisions of this clause, shall not apply to changes contemplated under clause forty-four point zero eight. All right, forty-four point zero five. Number of call-in lists. The number of call-in lists within each post office shall be sufficiently limited to promote as much as possible the creation of full-time regular employment, while taking into account operational and administrative requirements. So we need to have, let's try and get these people working here more permanently, right? That's kind of um, the idea, in my opinion. (laughs) 44.06, the probation period. Yes, and that's actually part of here. 44.06, so you have 480 hours, right? There shall be a probationary period for all temporary workers starting on the first day of work and ending once they have worked 480 hours now make sure you keep track of those hours right because you you don't get you won't get fired if if you do the right amount of hours <laughs> and you can get overtime as well right and this is included so uh, but we'll go into that later b B during the probationary period, the employer may end a temporary employee's employment if it deems that the employee does not meet the requirements of the job. Yes. And that brings us, that's all. This is uh, where an issue comes in with these letters that you perhaps have been getting when supposedly you're not getting doing the right number of hours. That's a computer generated letter, uh, which we'll talk about later anyway. Uh, computer-generated letter. That sounds very 90s. (laughs) Uh, During the permission... The decision of the corporation shall be final unless it is grieved that it was made without just cause. And that's another big thing. In any arbitration relating to such a grievance, the burden of proof shall rest with the corporation. So sometimes, though, arbitrators now are making us come up with so much evidence... But really, when it comes down to it, the burden of proof is on the corporation. Um, upon com- uh, I mean, we can we can talk about that for a long time, uh, but we're not. Upon completion of the probationary period, the seniority date of the temporary employee, as defined in clause forty four point zero one seniority, shall be confirmed. placement on the call-in lists. Each temporary employee shall have his or her name placed on a call-in list in order of seniority, which nowadays is this Eclipse system thing, which um, fortunately for me, and I guess unfortunately for everyone else, or for you now, for me helping you, uh, I did not, I had a lady that called me, and told me what I was gonna do next month or gave me the options. Uh, There was no automatic call-in system, which to me sounds crazy. Um, Well, it just seems like a real pain in the ass is what it sounds like, and it is. That's what I'm hearing it is, right? Uh, But here's a little aside too about the call-in stuff. Try to find out who is uh, above you on the list and below you on the list. And I mean, the automation of the Eclipse system kind of makes this issue perhaps kind of go away. But down the line, if you get skipped when you're called in in seniority, um, if it happens, you you can find out ahead of time or find out while it's happening to deal with it by knowing the person ahead of you in your seniority and below you. And then when one of you gets a call or something, you can call that other person because you know them now and say, hey, did you get a call? I got a call. Or, um, Yeah, and then if they didn't, it'll just help each other. out. Same with the person below you. And if say, yeah, they got a call and the person below you got a call and you didn't, well, now you know you've been skipped and now we got a grievance, right? Um, And just as a general term, a grievance, especially when you're grieving something that say, you, we weren't gonna do anyway. It's worth the it, it's worth the time to fill out the paperwork because you get paid, right? Like if you're skipped over, and you miss a shift because of that, and you grieve it for filling out that piece of paper, you will now get paid for those those hours you didn't go out and do, right? So it's it, it's worth it. Otherwise, I mean, you you have no problems going out there and doing all that work for eight hours, right, or whatever it is, but. Because they skipped you, and you don't want to be bothered with filling out the paperwork, you're missing out on eight hours' pay. So just think about that next time. (laughs) I do, I do too. Because you know it's hard when something happens, and you know you should grieve it. You kind of talk yourself out of it. I think I know I do, and and minimize it a little bit just because you know oh my god all the efforts, and then that little voice inside your head starts going oh but it's gonna take so long and. Is it really worth it? And oh my God, I have so much to do already. And I'll think about it later, right? But what you don't realize you're doing is you're sitting there and you're bitching to the world about a problem that can be fixed. Uh, and We're gonna go just to the end of 4411. Um, 4407. Each temporary employee shall be ha- have his or her name placed in the call list. Oh, I did that already. Forty-four point zero eight. Posting of lists: A copy of the call in lists shall be posted in the postal installations concerned, and a copy shall be provided to the union local every six months. If, within the six-month period, names of employees, temporary employees, are added to or removed from the lists, a copy of those pages containing these changes shall be sent to the union local 44.09 new list should a new list be established existing temporary employees within the post office who have expressed an interest in writing shall be placed on that list in order of seniority subject to operational requirements and that's where i'm going to stop because uh it's been too long so there we go that's uh temporarily yours part one Calendar of events, calendar and events, calendar of meetings and events, whatever. Um, We got a really cool thing coming up here this week. So today is Sunday, March 5th on Tuesday, March 7th. Yes, 7th at 6 p.m. at the Labor Council of Calgary is, uh, dang it, where is but anyway, it's a women's committee uh, event for Women's Day in celebration, which is on the eighth uh, Wednesday. It's being put on uh, by the women's committee. Of course, it's ten dollars. Tickets are ten dollars. There's only fifteen left. And uh, gentlemen, uh, it's a good idea. Or you could also buy a ticket for your wife if if she doesn't. They don't. You don't have to work for Canada Post to go. But if you do work for Canada Post and you are a woman and um, you would like to learn uh, um, uh, how, to, how, to, how to be safe, basically. It's, it's, it's a, um, there's a police officer coming. She's gonna uh, give you tips on how to stay safe. All right, safe for life. Oh my goodness, that was terrible. A terrible explanation, but it's gonna be a fantastic event. If you need more information or tickets, Email a t e v e n t s 710 at gmail.com. So that's at events710 at gmail.com. Tickets are also going to be at the door. So if you, it would be good to get them ahead of time because, you know, there's only 15 left, but you can get them at the door and uh, there was some uh, lecture from safe for life there we, there we go we'll be teaching women how to be safe in life and work it's, um there'll be snacks and refreshments they'll be served now 6 p.m is when the lecture starts and it goes until 7 but the doors open at 5 all right there'll be discussion q a after encourage men to purchase tickets for their wives daughters mothers sisters help stay safe in this crazy world we got going right right the cdlc calgary something labor council office and that's at uh office 321 3132 26th street north east all right and so that's the women's day international women's day save for life presentation safe for life. Oh my goodness. All right, next is the Zoom Amendment Writing Workshop. Oh yes, this is the one I'm looking forward to. So Saturday, March 11th at 10 a.m. on Zoom, so you can sit in your in your bed if you want and do this, is um, an amendment writing uh, workshop and it's being put on by the Winnipeg local, Matthew is his name, and uh, they're gonna, it's a presentation that's 30 minutes long, so make sure you get on there at 10, and uh, gonna go through how to write a good amendment, and this is for our contractor collective agreement, which is what I kind of brought up a little bit uh, in the letter from Anna. Um, and that the last, they did this already once, this past Wednesday, and after they did the presentation, they wrote eight amendments to put forward for the contract so that's exciting so that again is next saturday so uh the one coming up 10 a.m and uh i'll put the the link the zoom link in the show notes or you can email me on the line there uh, or call and leave a voicemail and uh we can get you that information Uh, there's a special AFL delegate election here in Calgary. So the AFL is the Alberta Federation of Labor. We have a brother up in Edmonton. uh, I believe he's also part of the executive already. He's running to be the running for president of the Alberta Federation of Labor. So a bunch of us from Calgary here are going. And so we have to elect delegates. And I think it's 23... Uh, You know, I, you'd think I'd have the information I need in front of me for that. But of course, I went and messed everything up. So whatever, I got my list. So it's night, March 19th at 1 p.m. And that's going to be, again, at the council place, which we just talked about, not the union office. And that's also the same day as our GMM. So what I'm assuming is gonna happen is we'll have the GMM and then we'll have the election right after. Uh, So come to both is the idea. Uh, Then we got our shop steward meetings. We got the RSMC shop steward meeting happening March 19th. (laughs) The same day as the elections and the general member meeting uh, however, this is the part I don't understand because the GMM starts at 1 and the election starts at 1 and the RSMC shop steward meeting starts at 1.30, but it's at the union office. So I don't really know what's going on with that other than I'm telling you now, this is what, what I saw on the posters. And uh, so you might want to contact your chief shop steward of RSMC's to find out exactly where that meeting is going to be and if it's been changed. Uh, time and location and such Uh, and of course for the urban shop steward that would be me our meeting is on march 16th and there's three different times 8 11 and 3 at the union office and this new thing there's a calgary organizing meeting now i believe this is the organizing for building worker power but Today I've spent a ton of time trying to figure out what's actually going on and the process because I went in and I started looking at the Building Worker Power uh, pr- uh, promo on the website and the stuff I've been handed out and I saw in there about this role of being a captain. So I decided I want to be a captain, an organizing captain, because it's basically what I'm doing right now with my podcast here, I'm creating an army here, And I'm going around and I'm doing things and I'm... So that's kind of what a captain does anyway. There's a few other things. uh, Like you keep track of the people more who are interested in, say, when we have to walk on, when we need to do a a work floor action or something, those who are into that. uh, Then I know who we can talk to first, I'm guessing. It's how to strategize, right? Which I'm kind of doing, but if with a captain you're doing it more uh, officially writing it down and putting it in a database, that kind of stuff. All right. So anyway, it said there, we talked to James ball and here was the email. So I, uh, approached James ball, but at last weekend's GMM, um, uh, our operations chief shop steward and now organizing, uh, person, uh, Gilbert had mentioned some things. So I, I approached him about the, the captain thing. Anyhow, it's been really confusing and i think i've got it figured out there's an organizing meeting on march 15th at the union office at 5 p.m which is a wednesday wednesday march 15th 5 p.m i can't go unfortunately because it's at 5 p.m so i panicked because i thought well if i can't make it to this meeting i'm not going to become an organizing captain at all and at one point, I'm like, then fine. I'm not going to do anything. And I'm going to stop my podcasting. And, and I went up to my room and slammed the door. And then I thought about it some more. And that's not what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, but I am bummed because I thought if I didn't go to this meeting, I can never be a captain. Somehow that got into my head. And so, but uh, I've had reassurance now. I've I've talked to the powers, some powers, some of the powers that be and find out that no this is not this is not uh mandatory so if you want and now i'm even starting to think that maybe this is not about taking the whole building the workforce thing I, i'm kind of really confused uh but if you can't make this meeting it doesn't mean you can't be involved it's not like you have to go to these meetings to be able to, like for instance see i had it confused when you to go to pre-convention or pre-conference convention or convention or whatever, uh, you have to go to 50% of the meetings here in Calgary if you're part of that. So I got all worked up because when I got involved here, I had already missed a bunch of the meetings for the year, so it was impossible for me to go. So in my head, I thought, well, there must be some other stipulation that to be a captain, you have to go to all the meetings or a percentage of the meetings. And then I was also told that to become a captain has to be approved from the executive or at a general member meeting, and so none of that has happened, and no one else has become captains. So I was confused, so I thought this was the day. This is the day we're crowning our captains, (laughs) and I have to be at that. And if I don't go, my whole life is ruined. Uh, But it's not. It's not like that at all so if you want to be a captain if you want to be involved in marching on the union if you want to be uh, part of the building uh, worker power is that what it's called now i like to take back the work floor so much more but whatever um then go i i I don't even know if that's what this meeting's about (laughs) i've totally talked myself into confusion anyhow at the union meet hall at 5 p.m. there's a Calgary organizing meeting come along and i that is the one thing i do have here it says organizing meeting I have the poster everyone is welcome wednesday march wednesday march 15th at 5 p.m. the address is 109 5621 11th street northwest northwest which is the union office it says we would like to have as many cupw members cupw members come out to the meeting as possible but unfortunately myself in the other wave to be carriers at Northwest Depot will not be able to go because we'll be sorting mail at that time oh wow I think that's it I think that's it for the calendar make sure you wear a black shirt Thursday make sure you celebrate International Women's Day on Wednesday and those of you here in Calgary, make sure uh, to go to the the Save for Life presentation, Tuesday, March 7th, and uh, tickets are $10. bucks. All right.
2: Article 9, Article 9, let's all read about Article 9.
0: All right, Article 9, Part 4, I think. Part 5. <laughs> episode five article nine part part four i think whatever doesn't matter what matters is that we are at 9.35 we are at irregularities because we finished at 9.34 i believe last episode and if not well here's a little there's a little thing for you to do find the missing article on your own which of course would be 9.34 so if i did not talk about it last episode go read it yourself so that you're all ready for this, 9.35, irregularities. The following procedure is established in order to accelerate the final resolution of grievances. Therefore, a grievance shall not be defeated because of any irregularities occurring in the application of this procedure. Sole arbitrator, 9.36, Grievances referred to an arbitrator, or sorry, grievances referred to arbitration shall be heard by a sole arbitrator, just one. Lists of arbitrators. uh, This is gonna be some stuff I won't be reading out, but 9.37, the arbitrator who shall hear a grievance is designated in accordance with the procedure in this article. 9.38, for the purpose of this procedure, The parties agree that there are five geographical areas the Atlantic provinces the province of Quebec the province of Ontario and Nunavut, the provinces of Alberta, Manitoba Saskatchewan and the Northwest Territories and that's kind of like a run on in it and um, province of British Columbia and the Yukon but what about uh whatever i think we're missing did i say none of it oh yeah we're not missing them good uh 9.38 the following persons shall act as arbitrators to hear the grievances coming from the area for which they are appointed for the area formal and regular grievance procedures and um I think when it comes to regular and formal grievance procedures, I think that's the difference between like what they say, level one and level two, I think. I don't know. It took me a while to even figure out what all that meant. And I still think I'm a little lost (laughs) because I think I had my, I had uh, level one grievances mixed up in my head with going in for a two, four meeting, right? For a long time. So I don't know. Anyway. In uh, there in Atlantic provinces, we've got four. Quebec's got four. Ontario and Nunavut together have seven. There is four for Alberta, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Northwest Territories. There is five for the BC and the Yukon. 9.40. The National List of Arbitrators shall be used for policy grievances, grievances concerning the unit as a whole, grievances concerning the union as such, and grievances concerning employees in more than one area described above. The National arbitrators shall by rotation be assigned grievances in the chronological order in which they were referred to arbitration, unless the parties agree otherwise and that's <clears throat> kind of involves that whole uh uh um, lineup of grievances when you take either the rights learn your rights course or the shop steward course uh you get to do the string the string thing i've talked about before the the journey of a grievance <laughs> and you get to take a string and go from person to person who's the vice president of this and so and so for that And it goes through a lot of people, a lot of people. And that's just one grievance. Um, So 9.41, should a person here and above designated refuse or be unable to act as an arbitrator, the party shall appoint another person as substitute. If the parties are unable to agree on the selection of a person, the substitute shall be appointed by the minister of labor 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 upon request by either party 9.42 the parties at any time agree that a grievance be referred to an arbitrator whose name does not appear on the lists here and above in such a case the arbitrator is selected by the parties and if they are unable to agree he or she shall, shall be appointed by the Minister of Labour upon request by either party. Ta-da. Hearing dates, 9.43. The arbitrator whom the grievance was referred shall promptly hear the parties. He or she, she may ex officio okay, call the parties to proceed with the hearing of the grievance and proceed in the absence of a party if such party was duly notified of the hearing. 9.44 for with upon the signature of the agreement this agreement and periodically thereafter the parties shall make arrangements with every arbitrator to set apart in advance a list of hearing days for each month of this year of the year the number of days the number of days so determined by all of the arbitrators in an area shall allow enough time to expeditiously yeah, expeditiously <laughs> dispose of all the grievances coming from this area in case of a disagreement between the parties on the number of days or on the specific dates that an arbitrator shall set apart for the parties he or she shall decide wow blah, blah, blah. my brain went uh, off thinking about uh, disneyland halfway through that one <laughs> oh my goodness Uh, notwithstanding the above the parties agree that no hearing shall be held between December 10th and January 3rd inclusively except in cases under clause 9.87 to 9.98 moreover the parties shall set apart no more than one hearing date for each arbitrator from December 1st to December 9th woohoo I need a a water break so. cut this out in post <clears throat> all right article 9.45 at least half the hearing days set apart by area arbitrators <laughs> arbitrators Wow shall be used for the hearing of grievances heard under the regular arbitration procedure Article 9.46 If the designated arbitrator did not set apart days for hearings, or if the days so reserved are no longer available or too far away, the arbitrator shall, upon request by either party, determine a day or days to commence and pursue the hearing. 9.47 where the designated arbitrator is unable to commence the hearing of the grievance within 60 calendar days or where he or she refuses or is unable to act, the union may then call upon the following arbitrator of the appropriate list to hear the grievance in following the procedure set forth in clause 9.50 to 9.80. Oh man, I thought we were coming close to the end. We're at 9.48. Anyway, location of the sittings of arbitration, 9.48. The sittings of arbitration shall be held in the corporation's offices or any other facilities provided by the corporation. Upon receipt of the notice provided for, provided for in Clause 9.52, 9.72, and 9.79, the corporation shall make arrangements to provide premises for the sittings of arbitration and notify in writing the arbitrator and the union accordingly. Arbitration Procedures 9.49 Subject to the following exceptions, all grievances shall be heard in conformity with the regular arbitration procedure. Grievances concerning termination of employment, including releases for incapacity grievances 10.10, grievances that concern the unit as a whole, or the union as such, grievances concerning employees in more than one area, and policy grievances shall be heard in the normal procedure. 9.50, did I, oh no, that was 4.9, we just did, right? Uh, Regular arbitration procedure. Okay, this is the good stuff. The regular arbitration procedure is an informal and accelerated mechanism to facilitate a more speedy settlement of grievances arising out of the application of the collective agreement. 9.51. The grievances will be assigned to the arbitrators on the area list and in the chronological area of the date in which they were referred to arbitration pursuant to Clause 9.34. 9.34. A modification may be brought to the chronological order to allow the hearing of a grievance in a location other than the location where it was presented. Wow. 9.52, the union shall forward to the corporation a list of the grievances to be heard on the day or days scheduled for the hearing of grievances according to the regular arbitration procedure. The aforementioned list shall be forwarded to the corporation no later later than 30 30 working days in advance of the hearing. 9.53, to ensure the efficiency of the regular arbitration procedure, the parties agree that the reasonable number of grievances must be dealt with by each arbitrator for each of the days of hearings set aside. The parties agree that the scheduled number of cases to be heard shall not be less than 25, if warranted by the inventory. Okay. Gotcha. At the time of the forwarding of such list, there exists a delay... Oh sorry if at the time of forwarding of such list there is exists a delay greater than 6 months between the referral date of the grievance in the regular procedure inventory and the scheduled date of hearings of said grievance at the location the union shall then be entitled to identify for hearing the union shall then be entitled sorry to identify for hearing the first 3 cases of every group of 10 cases to be heard without respecting the fifo rule oh my goodness the union shall continue to be so entitled for the subsequent lists until such time as the above described delay ceases to be greater than six months wow to be really honest i have no idea what i just read right there nothing not nada so someone out there wants to interpret 9.54 for me call leave a voicemail and tell me what that meant. Because my brain's shutting off (laughs) after that. It's like the key to turn off my brain is found in the CUPW Collective Agreement nine point five four, nine point five five. 9.55, the party shall meet at least one week prior to the arbitration hearing in order to exchange a copy of any document they intend to use during the arbitration, including... Precedents and authorities. Uh, 9.56, the party shall in collaboration, establish an attempt to agree on the facts relevant to each grievance. 9.57, the meeting described above is also for the purpose of reviewing grievances and settling as many of them as possible. Okay. So in other words, they might be able to solve it before Something bad happens? I don't know. If something worse happens? Uh, 9.58. The parties shall make every reasonable attempt to minimize the use of witnesses in the regular arbitration procedure. 9.59. Once the list provided for in clause 9.52 has been forwarded, the parties may agree that other grievances in abeyance and raising similar issues to the issues raised by the grievance scheduled uh, to be heard can be amalgamated to be heard simultaneously. Oh, that's interesting. Cool, so if all of a sudden there's other grievances that kind of go with yours, they can all be brought together. Hmm. Any other, uh, 9.60, any other grievances, including discharge cases, may also be heard in accordance with the regular arbitration procedure if the parties so agree. the other provisions of this collective agreement shall fully apply to regular arbitration except to the extent that they are modified by the provisions of clauses 9.58 and 9.62 to 9.70 here and after. All right, so uh, all provisions shall apply to regular arbitration except these ones, as 9.62. As soon as possible, prior to the date of arbitration, is that the next word? I gotta flip my page. Uh, t- hearing, <laughs> each party shall forward to the other party and to the arbitrator a copy of any document that it intends to use during the hearing, including precedences, precedents, precedents, and authorities. Each party may also forward to the other party and to the arbitrator a brief statement of the issue in dispute. the parties agree not to use lawyers to represent them in regular arbitration. Hmm. 9.64, the parties may agree at any time to commence or pursue the hearing of a grievance in accordance with the formal arbitration procedure. At the request of a party, the arbitrator may rule that a grievance is of such an exceptional nature that it shall be referred to the formal arbitration procedure, so it can be bumped up. 9.65, Nine point six five, the arbitrator must hear the grievance thoroughly before rendering a decision on a preliminary objection, unless he or she can dispose of this objection at once. Nine point six six, the hearing shall be conducted in the most informal and expidious, expeditious, <laughs> expeditious way. <laughs> that is, uh, expeditious way that is possible according to the nature of the grievances and all circumstances. Unless both parties agree, no written submission, precedent, or authority shall be delivered to the arbitrator after the hearing. 9.68. Whenever possible, the arbitrator shall deliver his or her decision orally at the conclusion of the hearing in giving a brief brief resume of his or her reasons and confirm his or her conclusions in writing thereafter. A brief resume. Okay. I guess it means just like you have to deliver it orally at the conclusion of the hearing by giving a brief uh, recitation. (laughs) Whatever. When the decision is not delivered orally at the conclusion of the hearing, the arbitrator shall render it in writing as soon as possible thereafter with a brief resume of his or her reasons weird i've never heard resume used that way before Uh, a brief explanation is what i would say whatever 9.69 subject to clause 9.68 the arbitrator acting in the regular arbitration procedure shall not be subject to clause 9.101 9.70 the decision of the arbitrator shall not constitute a precedent and shall not be referred to in subsequent arbitrations. Clause nine point one zero three shall not apply to such decision. And for the this is going to be the last article for part f- four <laughs> five. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. 9.71. The parties may at any time agree to not follow any of the rules outlined in Clause 9.62 to 9.70. There you go. The ending to a beautiful, beautiful movie. At any time, the parties may agree to not follow any of the rules. (laughs) I don't know. I think I've gone loopy, but that's really funny. Really funny. Well, folks, that's this uh, uh, this uh, this portion of Article 9. Well, that does it, folks. Thanks for sticking around and hope you enjoyed everything. We'll see you next weekend. Until then, my friends. Lo kahimaloa. loa. All right. La kahimaloa. loa. My kai loa. Aloha kako and aloha ahi ahi. See you. In two weeks.
6: Stop.
1: Taken untold millions that they never toil to earn But without our brain and muscle not a single wheel can turn We can break their haughty power, gain our freedom when we learn That the union makes us strong
6: Solidarity forever